In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Do you remember uh, being in this situation? Probably you were young, a kid, maybe the age of one of the kids we saw singing for us at the beginning of the service. And you remember your opening presents at the same time as one of your siblings. Or maybe it's like the... The, the Christmas gathering at your grandparents' house or your aunt and uncle's house, and the cousins are opening their presents from grandma and grandpa, and you're opening your presents from grandma and grandpa, and you open your presents, and you're done, and your cousins, they keep going. They have more to open than you do. Does that feel good? No? Feels kind of like, wait a minute, is there an extra one in the closet for me? Is it a big thing in a big bag? Too big to wrap, so it's in the garage. You go peek? No, nothing there, nothing in any closets. Okay, I guess that was it for me. Right, and of course, there's other kinds of factors that go into this kind of thing. Sometimes you can get one huge present or two bigger ones, and another kid gets three or four that are smaller. The generosity and goodness of parents, grandparents, and whoever else is generous to you, it's a great thing to receive when it's coming to you. It's not always so much fun to watch it be extended to others. When it feels like, wait a minute, where's, why is it shut off for me? I'm, Grandma, did you forget me? Why does he get more? When we see others get more than we do, we've already begun to regard the gifts more than the goodness of the giver. The goodness of the person giving the gifts goes right out the window. As soon as we start comparing, how much did I get? Versus how much did other people receive? And that's the main point of Jesus' parable this morning, which is our gospel lesson. In our gospel lesson, which is my sermon text. Sorry about that. There is no room for arrogance or self-righteousness in the kingdom of heaven. Because in the kingdom, our merit counts for nothing. The only thing that matters. This is, 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 a parable. And parables, one important aspect of them anyway, is that we're not meant to find meaning in every possible detail of the parable. So there are things that you heard in the gospel lesson about the day's wages and when did they get hired to work and all of those kinds of things. We're not going to interpret each one of those things in detail. There's really just one thing I want to focus on. And I think, oh, the, you know, the room relaxes a little bit. Okay. I'm aiming for like 12 minutes, not 32 minutes, okay? Martin Luther, in a sermon on this very gospel text, says this. He says, we must not consider this parable in every detail, but confine ourselves to the leading thought, that which Christ designs to teach by it. We should not consider what the penny or the shilling or, you know, what, what, the, what the laborers were paid. What does that mean? What does that signify? What, what does that symbolize? We should not consider ourselves with that, nor what the first and the last hour signifies, but what the householder had in mind and what he aims to teach, how he desires to have his goodness esteemed higher than all human works and merit. Yea, that his mercy as the house owner, the landowner, right, the, the man who owns the vineyard. The point of this parable is that his goodness and his mercy are seen clearly and seen for as big and as glorious as they are. That's the big idea. Luther goes on. For such parables are never spoken for the purpose of being interpreted in all their minutia. So, what is Christ designed to teach by this? Well, 
Workers were hired early in the day because you wanted to get out and work a full day. Work while, you know, make hay while the sun shines, I believe is the saying, or something like it anyway. So they would work 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. about. So the first batch of workers was hired at the usual time. Okay, we're off to a pretty normal start. And they're promised a day's wages. Then this landowner goes back three hours later and hires some more. And he says, I'll pay you whatever is right at the end of the day. And then he goes back and hires some more at noon. And then at three. And then at five. And I think what's interesting about the group that he hires at five is he says to them, go out and join the others in my vineyard. Nobody hired us. The day is almost over. Just go out there and join them. He doesn't like make an agreement with them. He just says go. And they're like, okay, yeah. They jump at the chance to work. And then they're called in to receive their wages. And they're all paid the same amount. But there's kind of a genius in the way that Jesus tells this story. He starts with the guys who were hired at five who weren't even promised anything regarding wages. And they get a full day's wages for working one hour. And the guys hired at 3 p.m. get the same. And they, the guys hired at noon and at 9 a.m. They all receive a full day's wages, even though they didn't work a full day. They're all, um, what's the word? Beneficiaries? Yeah, they're beneficiaries of the landowner's mercy and his goodness. He's being unfair by paying them more than they earned. But that's his right. And so then these guys who are hired at 6 a.m., they show up and they're like, what is going on here? Because at first they see everybody get the full day's wages for one hour and they're like, man, all right, how much am I going to get? So they walk up and they're all right, you know, and they still get one denarius, a piece of silver worth one day's wages. And they grumble and they mumble and they protest. This isn't fair. They're upset about this because they assumed that they would be paid more than those who started working later in the day, right? They took stock of the situation. They didn't see the goodness or the mercy or the grace of the landowner. They're calculating. How much did they get? Okay, how long did they work? Okay, but I worked some. Okay, so that should be... Boy, we're in for a big payday, guys. This is going to be great. They're presuming. They're separating this whole thing from the landowner's goodness. And they're coming up with what they think they deserve based on the work that they did. Forgetting what they had agreed to. Because of these ungrateful and arrogant attitudes, they are last, even though they started first. That's why Jesus says in the kingdom of heaven, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. So we have the main thrust of this parable. How and when and in what manner the Lord extends mercy to you does not grant you the right to feel better or closer to God than anyone else. Someone who had a really easy life, sleeping in on Sunday. Well, they stay out late on Friday and Saturday. They sleep in on Sundays. They do whatever they want to do. They don't feel like they, get, they owe anything to anyone. They're just looking out for number one. And then they come to faith in like the last 10 minutes of their life. And they go and be with Jesus forever. They have just as much in store for them in the kingdom of heaven as do 
You who were baptized and raised in the church and confirmed in the church and stayed in the church and said no to things that looked really enticing and said no to things when it was costly and stood up for truth when it's costly, you're going to receive just as much as that person who came to faith in Jesus with their dying breath. And if you think that's not fair, then friends, this parable is about you. All of Jesus' parables are about us, really. Because we're all here sometimes. If you believe in the Lord through sorrows, trials, testings, through loss, Maybe for your whole life where it's just one bad thing after another and the darkness does not lift. What the master promises to give you is what he promises to give all who answer his call. It's God's mercy. He can be generous however he wants to. And if our beholding the goodness of God toward others offends us, What is that person doing in church? Wow. Couldn't they have worn something different? Couldn't they have showered before they came? Couldn't they smell like this or they look like that or they don't look like they belong here? Show some respect for God's house. Whatever it is. If somebody is coming to receive the goodness of God and we're like, ugh, I'd rather they not. Man, that is not a good place to be, friends. That's not the kind of church we are. That's not the way the church of Jesus is anywhere. It's our problem if God's grace to others offends us. And yet, I promise there is good news here. I'm not just going to scold you. Because I love you. Okay, There is good news here. There's a reason we sing before the gospel and before the sermon that Jesus has the words of eternal life. These are words of eternal life for you. They're not just words of like, oh man, pastor's kind of in a cranky mood this morning. In the kingdom of heaven, God's goodness alone is of value, okay? Our own merits mean nothing. That's another inference from this parable. doesn't matter when in the day you're hired or how long you've been working in the field. It's the goodness of the giver. You might be tired of hearing me say that. It's the goodness of God, the grace of God, that is the thing that is praised above everything else. Not our own list of achievements, not how much growth we've had in sanctification or anything like that. And this is bad news if you fancy yourself to be one of those laborers hired at 6 a.m. Or maybe even at 9 a.m. If you've been hired the conventional way, baptized as a baby, come up through Sunday school or even parochial school, and then you're confirmed in eighth grade, and then you stay in the church and you raise your kids in the church and you're tithing and you're doing everything the right way, Right? Or, if, let's just talk about it like this. If you're regularly going to church, if you're reading your Bible, if you're otherwise bearing fruit, right, these are all good things. I don't mean to tell you, like, hey, stop coming to church, stop reading your Bible. I don't want you to hear me saying that. But don't start, I, I caution you, I warn you against starting to trust in the things you do. And feeling good about them. Don't try to establish to others that God's goodness is so good in your life. Look at how far it's brought me. Look at how I'm changed. Okay, this this parable is bad news 
for you in this case because nothing you do after receiving God's goodness adds any value to it. He doesn't give you something that's 85% done and ask you to finish it off. It's not like a, maybe you've been in this situation, right? It's not like a road trip where you're sitting in the passenger seat for 12 hours and then you say, hey, you know what? You know, you, you get out and stop for gas one last time so you arrive with a full tank and you're like, you know, you want to switch? And there's like 20 minutes left of the trip. Can I, you know, kick it on up the driveway? It's not like that. That's not how this works. God does it. God does it all. He gives you finished salvation. He gives you perfect holiness, perfect righteousness. There's no more sin that has to be atoned for. The Holy Spirit does move us to come to church and to read our Bibles and to pray and to love our neighbors and all of those things. But these things don't mean that you have a right to receive more than somebody who isn't quite so obviously bearing fruit because it's the grace of God given to them and it's the grace of God given to you. We're not trying to out-earn each other here, okay? So that's the bad news. The good news here can be expressed a couple of different ways. First, it means that we look in faith to the finished work of Christ on the cross for us, for our salvation. There are no fruit checks in the Lutheran church. How are you feeling? Are you, are you really saved? Are you sure you're saved? I don't know. Well, what kind of fruit are you bearing, in other words? What's your yield? 180 bushels of corn an acre? 200 bushels of corn an acre? Or are you not yielding much of anything? Ugh, watch out, man. You might not be saved after all. Okay, that's not how we do this in the Lutheran church. Instead, we just say, look to Jesus on the cross for you and believe. And that's it. You're saved. And that faith then creates this motion in your life week in and week out such that you bear fruit. You can be hired at 5 p.m., told to go into the field and work for an hour and get the same reward. You're never so low as to be irredeemable. You've never gone too far down this path. There's never, you're never at a point in your life, friends, where there's just no coming back from it now. No matter who you are, no matter what you've been occupied with, no matter your past. If you hear the voice of Jesus calling, like we sang in that hymn, and you answer, here am I, send me, send me. Jesus is a generous Lord, and I don't mean just in the sense of the parable where if you're hired at five, you get a full day's wages. I mean, he's a generous Lord in that he loves to forgive heinous sins. He loves to wipe your slate clean. He knows, bless you. He knows where you've been. He knows the things that you don't really want to tell other people about. He knows the things you don't want to tell me about. And he loves to forgive you. He loves to give you a light conscience. He loves to give you work to do loving others as he has loved us. You might think, this isn't fair. I can't be forgiven that much. It's not right. 
And you're right. It is not fair. But the Son of God did die for you. Olivia's had enough of this. The Son of God did die for you. All of your sins are forgiven. There is nothing holding you back from the doors of paradise that Jesus has opened for you. He went to the cross so he could have the privilege of announcing to you through your pastor every Sunday, all of your sins are forgiven. He went to the cross so he could have the privilege of guiding you, leading you as a shepherd leads a sheep for your whole life, leading you in paths of righteousness for his name's sake, walking with you through the valley of the shadow of death. He did all of that for you. Jesus offers you today, whether this is 6 a.m. in your life or 9 a.m. in your life or the sun is setting on your life, he's calling out who will come and work. He offers it to you today for free. He offers you hope for today. How does that hymn go? Great is thy faithfulness. Strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. Blessings all yours with 10,000 beside. So if you hear the voice of Jesus calling, answer him. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.